Hello, and welcome to our latest Podmaster episode, where master entrepreneur Rick Lowe and I spend some time each week chatting about things that are front of our minds. If you're a freeman, enjoyed this podcast, then do go check out our others. And if having listened to them, you have something you'd like to share, then do get in touch with me, Mark Huxley. I'd love to hear from you. Hi, Rick. Good to see you again. I, I thought this week, a nice place to kind of move the narrative on. Much of what we've been speaking about is what might be coming up in the future as yeah. we, were, we were all living through lockdown and, and some of those kind of early allowances that the government gave us. But I think there's a phrase you used, you know, it, it feels like the new landscape is now forming. And, and much of that is a radical rethink of the different workplace that, you know, we, we have spoken much about and, and some of the people in it, but also the kind of business landscape that, that's coming out of the back of it. I won't spoil your thunder to, to share a statistic that you unearthed this week, but maybe we can just open up, you know, give, give your thoughts about what do you think this new landscape looks like and what are some of the kind of early numbers that are coming out? Yeah, no, it, 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 it's a good point, Mark. So I think since we last spoke three or four weeks ago, I think the world is moving on a pace, the reality is set in. And as you said, there's lots of radical rethinking going on. All businesses are questioning probably overhead versus opportunity because um, there's definitely still opportunity. But I think some of the undercurrents that are bubbling to the surface now, we can definitely see that office staff probably are never going to come back in the numbers they were. The corporate world has got used to the fact that their staff can work from home and that relatively trustworthy businesses are still continuing and then if you are an employee and you're at home you've probably got used to not commuting and the you know the cost savings and your lifestyle benefits so if you look at a big metropolis like london for example businesses will be looking at ways they can reshape and probably cut overhead so staff and people are one thing but office space is another and it's just interesting some of the news this week, like Monzo, HSBC, Nationwide, these big financial institutions are looking to shed square footage of office space because they've clearly made the decision now or realisation that empl their employees are not going to be sitting at that many desks anymore. And around that whole challenge, if, if, if we just keep, keep on that thread, someone like, say, pret a -Manger, I mean, I read that they're at 10% of normal levels of trade. Well, that's got to be unsustainable. So what do they do? It's not going to go back to 100%. Will it go back to 50%? Not Probably not quickly. We, we, we're just not seeing droves and droves of employees swanning back into London. And that has knock-on effects for public transport. You know, people, many people have said to me the trains and the tubes are empty. You know, it, it, there's no sense of rush hour as it was. So there's knock-on effects there, and, and these businesses that need the high traffic, the high footfall coming in and out of a big city like London, I think are very, very vulnerable. Do you think, I think you know, the Pret thing, I think, throws up a really kind of interesting perspective, and obviously much of their current model has been about being in city centres rather than high streets. Given the huge fall away from the levels of trade that they've got, and if you're going to have a more regionalized workforce whether that's you know, work from home or it's just people that are not not coming to city conurbations do you see someone like Pret 
as a kind of shutdown model or do you think perhaps like some of the coffee shop chains have done they'll actually really pivot themselves into a high street and actually yeah well you, you can't more, more more than you know two blocks in the city centre and you've got 30 prets that every high street in the UK is going to have a pret in it. Where, where do you think that, that kind of societal change is going to take a business well, like pret? I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you're working from home, you still want to go out. You still want to walk onto your local high street. So some of the people I've been speaking to, their local high streets are really busy. You know, local bars, local restaurants, very busy. Whereas central London, fairly desolate. So... Look, there will be opportunities, and one of the stats I've picked up on is apparently, according to the Centre for Entrepreneurship, there's 4.5% more businesses started this year, March to July, than last year. Now, that's quite an incredible stat. So maybe it's common sense, because as there's a downturn, more people are being forced out of work and decide to throw the hat in the ring and start their own business, become entrepreneurs. That's, that's great. That's how, I suppose, societies and economies move on, because people actually go out and probably through, through no fault of their own losing their job, but certainly a, a you know, lifetime ambition to do something for themselves or being forced into that, they set their own businesses up. And the sheer impact of COVID has forced that, that, that statistic. So that, that's encouraging that that level of new businesses have been started. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll, many will be going to be, be um, successful. But back to your point on what do some of the more traditional businesses do? Well, if you're a restaurant, we now know that the impact of the internet and, and buying stuff online has been pushed forward dramatically because of high street shutdown and brick and mortar shutdown and of course hospitality shutdown restaurants etc but there is a big switch so we see towards um what they call dark kitchens so restaurants going for a lower capex proposition you know out of town on a business estate somewhere where they can set up their kitchen menu etc and have it serviced via delivery so lower lower overhead still on brand still leveraging the customer base they built up but we all want to be sitting at home apparently now ordering on our phones rather than stepping out and going out to eat so there will be pivot businesses and I think that that's an interesting one in terms of the hospitality business where it can leverage the overhead it's got or reduce it to still sell sellers their the food and the, the, the menus let's say but there'll also be lots of people out there starting their own businesses as I said if it's been a lifetime ambition or they just feel forced into it yeah, you know, a lot of great entrepreneurs start in these very difficult circumstances. So there are green shoots, and I think the time now is is we're all we're seeing the realization and people taking action on that realization. I'm sure the four and a half percent stat you got doesn't get down to this detail, but where would you hazard the kind of age demography uh, and and kind of background demography, and perhaps where these four and a half percent of businesses are coming in you know I, I, I guess I kind of wonder in my own mind whether it's a, an accelerated nascent entrepreneur that would have been there but actually needed a little bit of a tip over and now they don't have a job actually I've got to do this because you know I've got to pay my mortgage and feed my family or is it more of a conscious thing out of kind of desperation that people have lost jobs they've, they've got to do stuff so yeah um, yeah, yeah I, I, 
whether self-employment counts for for people that are in kind of gig workers and zero hours so they're, they're effectively self-employed but you know they might be retained by Deliveroo or Uber you know as a as, as a yeah. Agent or a taxi driver. I, again, yeah, just, just welcome your, your own thoughts around that. I don't think the, I think the interesting thing about this situation, I don't think there's any stigma about losing your job because there's thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, millions, let's say, who are in the same position. So there's no stigma attached to it. So dare I say the confidence and the, the self-worth element are, aren't going to take so much of a bashing as, as in under, let's, whatever normal circumstances are. And I think it's much more amenable and also capable to set your own business up now. So there's much more, as we know, the work we do with outreach and education with the Guild of Entrepreneurs, there's a lot more facilities, help, knowledge, expertise, advice available to young entrepreneurs and dare I say finance and routes to finance. So the timing probably is great for those that have always wanted to do it. And if you're in that bracket where it is sheer desperation, then yeah, I really do feel for you because that's a difficult situation for anybody to be in at the best of times, but it may well force you down that road. And I think the key thing now is as we rebuild the economy, because it, it will take a while, the money's got to be paid back that we've all had or, or the, 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 you know, the, the country's had. We've got to get behind these nascent entrepreneurs and help them. And I think that's the best thing we, we can focus on now. I think we should come back to that in a second, but just to kind of round off the thread that we're in. I mean, you work in retail, so you you, you sit more on the front line than, than most. Yeah. But your comment about yeah you know, the dark kitchens, people ordering stuff at home and doing things offline. I just wonder, as you know, a, a human race of you know, being a social animal that lives in communities and likes communing. This ten pound off your your food deal that the government put out in in August seems to yeah. have got a lot of people out of their house. So I'm wondering how much of it is short term need and yeah. long-term systemic change because I, I again through other conversations we've had in other webinars that we spoke about the theater of shopping it might be the return of the old-fashioned high street because people won't go to big shopping malls because they just don't find yeah. that satisfactory anymore but they might go back into an old-fashioned high street and seek out the independent shops which of course cool. for entrepreneurs is a good thing because that probably opens up more opportunity yeah my question in that is about people being comfortable at the moment in the short term being at home and having their dark kitchen food delivered to actually do you know what i i remember what it was like when i went and sat in that restaurant and i or i went to that shop and i used to enjoy going to that shop and seeing those people i think it's an interesting point mark i'm not sure any of us have got the answer but by nature we're as human beings we're social animals i think we do want to go out i think we want to be looked after i think what amazon has done it's made us realize that we demand excellent service so if you've got a fantastic brand um that stands the test of time and offers something unique and of value, I think your consumers will come back. I think if, if you are in a very competitive space while you, where you're not really offering value add, the online element of, of how the world's reshaping will eat up your market. I, I think it, it's, it's just difficult. And there will be casualties, as we know. But again, it, it, will, it will bring opportunities. It will bring pivot opportunities for business. Uh, and it will, will push through young, you know, young new, middle-aged, older entrepreneurs who want to use all their experience and knowledge and go for it. So it could also be, or it should also be, a very exciting time for business with new opportunities 
and new energy. As I said, I, I'm sure this is a topic we will come back and talk about again. But you, you started looking to, into another area of you know, supporting the startups and the people doing this. So in a, in a very simple question, you know, what, what should we be doing as a guild to support that? I think the, the conversations you know, we, we've had within the guild centre around supporting, if it's London or certainly the, the country's entrepreneurs, as we kind of emerge out of the challenge of COVID and what it's done to the you know, business and work community. So I think it, it, what I'd like to see uh, are some of our conversations solidifying and understanding how we can actually put a strategy together to make sure we're working probably across the government, across the business organisations. You know, we, we spoke last week to, to the chief exec, you and I, of the um, Chamber of Commerce. So it's how do we kind of be a conduit, a force for good, to get all the options out on the table and then see where we can have maximum impact. And in so doing, really help entrepreneurs and people setting out on the journey themselves. Because if we can be, be a catalyst to drive a quicker set of results, positive, hopefully, with new businesses and new opportunities and new entrepreneurs, that would be a great position to stand in and, and look back at where we've come from. So that's what I think we need to be doing is, is really understanding where we can add value with our freemen, with our knowledge, with our expertise across the guild. There will be places we can really leverage that, that mindset. I think it's kind of interesting because I suppose if we take London generally and the city as, as our kind of enclave within it, because of the change in the in the working nature, because of the, the fact that probably the population coming into London on a daily basis is going to be different, you know, it, it feels like there's going to be a lot of new style businesses that are going to come in there and, and new districts that, that sit in there. So, you know, who, who says that, you know, the kind of Shoreditch creative might not now be in, you know, midtown London around Bloomsbury or just to pick, a, yeah. pick an area. And that, I think, very much is where a lot of our skill yeah. can lay, because obviously we come from that very disparate background. So if, if people are trying to establish communities, that's never an easy thing to do. So I think the rise of that, you know, the micro and SME, you know, really self-employed, sole trading people, you know, it could be a, a tattoo artist who now, you know, God forbid, is sitting in the middle of Cornhill, you know, right where, where they just wouldn't have been in the past. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like there's going to be a very different London, go back to the original word, London landscape that's going to be sitting out there. Yeah, look, in, in a sense, it's quite scary, isn't it? Because, you know, re really, the east of London was always the poor relation to, to the West End. But it's become almost on a par with the cost of lease and square foot you know, property. So I wonder whether if there is this it can only be called an exodus of workers, footfall, people, then the knock-on effects of that will be quite significant. So, but then does that give rise to a reshaping of how landlords charge rent? So, for example, New Look are currently going through, I think it's their third CBA, but their conversations with their landlords are, we, you know, we will either give the store up or you can be on a percentage of revenue rent. Um, is that the way the modern landlord is going to have to operate with, with high street retail? I don't know. It, seem, it seems that that way they've got a bit of skin in the game. It's not, you know, our fixed overheads in, in retail are a, a manageable proposition going forward. I don't know. So I think some of these things will, will reshape. And um, 
it will you know remain to be seen but but, but again what we've got to do as the guild is, is really understand where those opportunities are and how we can help because i think it will move quickly that the the landscape will reshape and there'll be opportunities where we can add some value yeah, and again, just you know, a, a, a final comment on what you just said a moment ago. I was was musing in my mind about you know the, the the reformed city sitting in there, knowing that you know the one thing you you look in any point of the compass in the city, you see cranes and you see buildings yeah. going up, you know, and yeah. big buildings like you know, kind of twenty two Bishopsgate, which is fifty sixty floor building that's gone up, and, and you just think you know, how many of these are going to end up as just empty dinosaur buildings? You know, if there's ever a metaphor for twenty twenty, you know, it will be the boarded up windows of these these huge office places where people are just not going to take up the tenancies. You know, and you're absolutely right in what you said about people people will be downsizing, not upsizing. You know, and they're going to look to stay where they are, and if not stay, probably just move out. You know, and go somewhere else. So you know, it, it does find up a you know almost a twenty eight days later view of the the city so i think it's gonna be interesting to watch that one into 2021 but i want you to get back to the startup bit a little bit and and just maybe kind of round off as a a, a final thing to think about with apprentices because it, it, again you know we, we did talk about this a, a few weeks yeah. back that the, the the rise of the apprentice seems to be apparent now and that that really does feel like that's going to be a, a very solid way forward and perhaps in the old days you know it was an apprenticeship to get a trade Bit an old-fashioned guild or whatever, you know, but a trade that would see you into employment in those places. Yeah. But you wonder how many of these people now coming out of apprenticeship are actually going to now themselves want to and will become entrepreneurs in their own right. I wouldn't say it's an underserved community, but I, I think it's somewhat been an ignored community of entrepreneurship in, in times past. I don't know if you have some views on that. I think if you look at other countries in Europe, Germany-specific, Mark, they're very apprentice-driven very trade driven. I think we do need to look at that. You know, I, mean, I went to university, got a degree. I'm, I'm, in, I'm now working in a, you know, obviously it's my own business, but that's got nothing to do with the qualification I got. My, you know, if I, if I was brutally honest with myself, well, my four years spent doing an engineering degree of real value to be an entrepreneur. Some of it would be, but not most of it wouldn't. So, yeah, if, if I look back on my own time, what would I rather have done? Probably business language is something that, that was, would, would have been more suited to how I've ended up as, in, in a career. So apprenticeships are very valuable. And, I, you know, and I'm wondering whether all those y- young people that want to set, set out on their own journey for the first time as entrepreneurs need more support, more, more, you know, more coaching, more, more, more of a helping hand to walk them along that journey. And... You know, is there such thing as an apprentice entrepreneur? Because all our journeys are different, but there are some facets, some qualities, some skills um, that are the same no matter what business you're running. So that's probably something we should we should have another debate on at some point. Is how do we help young entrepreneurs look at that potentially as an apprenticeship, get people into trades and you know, parts of businesses that that really that that are part potentially of what the new commercial landscape could look like you know tech delivery online all these things we're seeing as as huge trends more people will gravitate towards those those types of businesses i'm sure as one passing final thought i mean much of the the outreach but particularly we do are with kind of startup entrepreneurs you know so that 
they've found their idea and we're helping yeah. you know, mold the jelly as it were. I wonder how much of that is now going to come back a step, you know, your four and a half percent additional people that actually have got ideas, concepts, and perhaps more of our work will, will naturally focus more to, so maybe it's like the, the, the LBS summer school work that we, yeah. mentioned that we do where it's about the viability of an idea, you know, just to, to head, head a few kind of, you know, avoiding hitting icebergs, you know, going along if someone's got a, a poorly thought through concept and idea, which, um, isn't something we, we center on in a guild at the moment, but you know, just as a say, throwaway passing comment, maybe it's the dial's going to move backwards a little bit. Mm. You know, I, I think it's a case in point, Mark, as we, we know it's going to be the ride's going to be bumpy for the economy, but we know there's opportunities and they won't all have emerged yet into crystal clear view. But I think from just what we're talking about there on, on apprenticeships and, and making it easier for people to start businesses and there is no stigma as I said attached with losing your job really anymore and there's no stigma hopefully attached with failing in a business there certainly isn't in America so why isn't there here so much are we seeing a shift towards people can try their hand and fail and still get a pat on the back get up and try again and that kind of mindset and uh, understanding I think will prevail in the UK for way too long, we, we've had this fear of failure uh, and we just don't have a fail fast mentality that many other progressive nations have. And I think yeah, that's the one thing that needs to come into the psyche of business owners, leaders, investors, whatever colour and skill that they have that they put into, into commerce. It's, you, you've got to let people just experiment and give them a, a really safe environment to do it where absolutely, as you quite rightly said, there's not a, a fear or a stigma to it didn't work this time. You and I have talked about this word as well, confidence, Mark. Confidence is such an important emotion that the government are responsible for, for, for pushing. We are, as entrepreneurs, yeah, we've got to have a naturally positive outlook on, in very difficult circumstances. Focus on the opportunity, focus on the good that we can do and cut loose from the past because we cannot move forward looking in the rear view mirror, as we all know, we've got to focus on the situation as it is, deal with it and push forward. Rick, that, that is a really good sentiment, I think, to draw this week's chat to a close. So as always, the absolute pleasure. I really do enjoy these conversations. Oh, yeah, that was good today. I thought we, we rounded off quite well. Great. All right, Rick, till the next time. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Mark.